0: Okay, good afternoon, everybody. This is Matt Bieber with the New Mexico Department of Health. Uh, today, we'll be, we'll be doing a regularly scheduled COVID-19 update uh, featuring uh, HSD secretary and now acting DOH secretary, Dr. David Scraves, along with DOH deputy secretary, Lara Chenchen Parajon. With that, I'll turn it over to our, our principals and uh, thanks very much. Uh,
1: thanks very much, Matt. Uh- you probably noticed that we were wearing our masks when we started today. Uh, this is not like throwback baseball uniforms, but it does remind me a lot of about 14, 15 months ago when we started wearing masks at press conferences and uh, when we were together. Uh, lots of news today, lots of interesting things going on in the state. We want to give you a vaccine update, which is the critical treatment for the uh You know, the critical thing that we have in our armamentarium to fight COVID, uh, and uh, and then we're going to talk more about the Delta variant in detail. We're also going to touch on the new CDC mask guidelines and what those mean for New Mexico. Laura is going to walk us through more about what we're learning about vaccines, more about what we're uh, learning about uh, equity in vaccination. So, Laura.
2: Thanks so much, David. Um, I wanted to share a little bit of update on the vaccine. So uh, New Mexico does remain among the vaccine leaders um, in the state, uh, in the whole United States. We have 72.6% of New Mexicans having received at least their first shot, and 64% of New Mexicans are now fully vaccinated. So that's really exciting news. And also thanks to all the New Mexicans who came out and got vaccinated. Um, We're also seeing vaccinations among young people though, um, we're steadily increasing the 12 to 17 year old age group. There's now 47.4% of New Mexicans who have received at least a first shot and then 37.7% of New Mexicans who are fully vaccinated. Uh, We are a little bit worried about the 18 to 24 year old age group as they're going back, you know, back to school, Um, that's our percentage that's the lowest for the fully vaccinated and that's 40.7%. So this is something that we'll be doing in the coming weeks is to keep on trying to get people vaccinated. Um, Another exciting development is that um, Pfizer and Moderna are going to expand their clinical trials for children five to 11 years old. That's so exciting because we really wanna protect our kids. And so right now we're masking up to protect our kids, but soon hopefully we'll also have a vaccine for them. So, you know, New Mexico is doing really great in terms of getting vaccines out. Uh, We were amongst the fastest in terms of getting the vaccine out quickly, Um, but are we reaching those who have been most affected by the virus? So if you look at the data for the COVID cases, um, they are currently the highest for Hispanic and Latino populations, as well as African-American populations As you can see from the slide here. The pink here is Hispanic, Latino. Uh, the blue is a uh, African-American. So while New Mexico leads in vaccine rates for uh, Hispanic, Latino, and African-American populations, uh, ranking number six in the country for African-American and number five for Hispanic and Latino, that's great. But also we need to actually look at our own data that we've been tracking this whole time. So in our overall for our vaccinations of people over 16 and over, Uh, The two populations that are not doing as well in terms of percentages are Hispanic, Latino, and African American populations. So both of them are below uh, 50%. And then if you look at um, other populations, actually um, Native American populations are doing really great. So that's a great testament to people coming out, getting vaccinated in the IHS. We want to do the same for all populations. Um, We're also seeing the same uh, type of pattern for 12 to 17 year olds. So especially if you look at the 12 to 15 year olds, um, it's worrisome for us because we want everybody to have the opportunity to get vaccinated. So we just wanna point out that equity is really important to us and we're doing everything we can to try to get out to all populations. Um, One of the things that also for COVID, you know, after really one thing that you can see in terms of the impact of COVID is after life expectancy going up uninterrupted for over 50 years, you can see the impact that as a result of COVID, we had um, a, a decrease in life expectancy in the United States. And this um, life expectancy was less for Hispanic and Latino population, as well as African-American population. So life expectancy has gone down for those populations. So this is another point that we need to point out that, yes, we really need to work on how we reach Hispanic, Latino, and African-American populations right now. We do not want to have more deaths. And vaccines are our best way to prevent these deaths. So what are we doing at the New Mexico Department of Health to try to reach out to groups? One of the things we've done is really make vaccine easy to get. So uh, visiting the VaccineNewMexico.org or call at this number, 1-855-600-3453. I know you guys are probably really familiar with this now. But appointments are available statewide. So when you get on the website, you can schedule an appointment. Remember that vaccine is free for all New Mexicans. No insurance is needed. Immigration status is not needed. Um, this is for everybody um, parental consent forms are also easily available you can download them on the website or we also have them um, at the vaccine site you can walk into vaccine site and if you're a church or you're an organization you're someone who wants a mobile event please give us a call or click on this request for an on-site vaccination event we really want to make this as accessible for all people as possible and also remember to get the get shot got shots right now For getting ready for school. You know, we also have that Got Shots where you can go on site and see that there's a ton of pharmacies and places available to get shots for your kids and adults, too. Another thing we're really trying to encourage, we know that so many of you providers have stepped up and really gotten signed up to be a COVID provider. We also know we have other providers who are just on the fence or might wanna consider becoming a COVID provider. Just so you know, amongst unvaccinated people, you guys, healthcare providers out there are your number one preferred choice for getting the vaccine. So we know sometimes it's hard to get started, but we're also here and available to help you out. Um, All New Mexicans are encouraged to visit their primary care providers right now and catch up on any missed care during the pandemic and talk to your provider about the vaccine. They can answer your questions. Um, Primary care providers are also um, really, really, if we can make COVID-19 vaccine accessible, that's great. So visit TakeCareNewMexico.org for more information on how to become a provider or how to get um, more vaccines. So thanks so much. That's the update.
1: Thank you very much, Laura. Uh, great update, and uh, I think I'm, you know, I'm particularly worried about that because that drop in life expectancy was greatest among African Americans and Hispanic Latinos, and you know, in this state, that's something we need to be very uh, concerned about. So we're going to move on and now talk about uh, the case update. There is some bad news about the Delta variant that I think is driving this change, as everyone on the math and modeling team and others concerned about the changes we're seeing in the data. You remember that we almost got to 100. We were vaccinating 100 people a day for every case. We're now down to 12 people a day for every case. Uh, Still a positive trend, still something we wanna promote, but uh, well below where we were before. And Laura went over the, the data on that quite well. So the good news is even our unvaccinated rate used to be much better than everybody in America. And now if you look at the second half of the graph after May, our numbers are tracking very closely. But we are really, this data shows we're really in the middle of a pandemic amongst the unvaccinated primarily, but you will see a slight upward, uh, uh, that upward trend in all cases mainly reflects unvaccinated individuals. And we're still seeing those numbers where, you know, 95% of the cases, 94% of hospitalizations, 98% of uh, deaths, uh, from the beginning are occurring in unvaccinated individuals. And so um, it's awful to have a death in New Mexico now that could have been avoided. What we're seeing, though, is both case rates and, uh, and hospitalizations are pretty similar now to where they were in March uh, on March 2nd. Nationally, cases have gone up by a factor of four in the past uh, uh, <clears throat> Uh, since July 1st, so the past four weeks, a four-fold increase in cases. And most of you who follow the numbers every day know that we were running 50 or 60 cases a day for uh, quite a a good number of weeks, and now we're up in the 240 to 260, so a very similar ratio. Uh, The Delta variant, you know, and, and we're very worried about this virus, I'll go into more detail, but a very early study when Delta started emerging in mainland China and India, found that people with Delta had a thousand times more viral particles in their nose than uh, previous strains uh, seem to induce. So a lot more virus, which we believe means a lot more spread to other people. Uh, we we're seeing significant problems nationwide, and so you've read in the news California and the city of New York are actually requiring their state workers to show proof of vaccination, uh, which we do here, uh, and also uh, to undergo regular testing, which uh, we don't do here, uh, that undergoing regular testing is for unvaccinated. So if you work for the city of New York or the state of California, you have a choice. You can uh, uh, get vaccinated or you can get swabbed, I think it's once a week. Uh, Last thing is, We sort of predicted in June that Delta would probably hit the 70% mark in late July or early August. We got off to a slow start. We have about a two to four week lag. And our most recent official report a couple weeks ago showed 22%. Uh, One last week that we did was uh, 55% roughly. But because of the because of the speed of the increase of the virus and the lag in getting the specimens, I think the modeling team and our folks in Epi are saying we have to have, it it seems like at this time, about 75 to 80% of all cases in New Mexico are now the Delta variant. And this should, uh, I think if you've held out uh, uh, for a while, thinking you're not gonna get COVID and decided not to get vaccinated because of that, I think this should give everybody who sees this pause So uh, you've all heard me say there are four things you need to know about every variant that comes down the pike. And uh, we've given you more than just four, but that's okay. I'm gonna deal with the main four. Uh, You know, when we had the alpha variant spread in England where they have the best epidemiologic systems in in the world, that we knew in December what the spread rate was, what the hospitalization and death rate was, what resistance to treatment existed with the alpha variant in England and whether they were resistant to the vaccine. And uh, because the Delta variant has spread so rapidly in other places, we don't have solid data. So even some of the numbers in here, if I have them are based on, you know, just one study, which isn't enough. The question marks are places where we don't, we're not really confident in any of the data. So what we're finding though, is that the Delta variant spreads three to five times uh, more than the variants we've been used to this whole time. Alpha was a little higher, but Delta three to five times. There's a good paper that shows that if you live in a household with uh, someone with coronavirus, you have more than a 50% chance amongst the people there of getting it. That used to be 16%. We're also seeing a lot of clustering of cases in New Mexico, which is something you would expect. So like whole families, almost everyone or everyone who was at a party together in a household, uh, getting infected, getting the virus, and that, uh, you know, I'm laying the groundwork here to why the CDC changed their masking guidance yesterday. So number one, does it spread faster? Absolutely and frighteningly so for Delta. Number two, is it likely to cause more hospitalizations and deaths? And in in, uh, Scotland, where this was done, they did see an 85% increase. It's the only place we have data. So far in New Mexico, it appears that the increase we're seeing in hospitalizations really parallels the case count. We're not seeing excess hospitalizations here. So we're going to have to wait and see how that data uh, pans out. Is the Are these variants resistant to treatment with Alpha? We knew well in advance, and we actually changed the whole treatment regimen in New Mexico like the day we got the first case. And so... We had that covered, and it looks like Delta, while resistant to some, uh, like BAM and other uh, single agents, does respond to the cocktail, uh, if you will, the combination of monoclonal antibodies that we're giving people. And I just want to stop and remind people if you get COVID and you are over 65 or you have any risk factors at all for uh, complications of COVID and, you know, obesity, high blood pressure, heart disease, uh, lung disease, and there are others, asthma, you can you can look online at the list. And you get COVID, get treatment, get treatment. You lower your chances of going in the hospital by 75%. And then uh, I think we feel based on our data so far that there is not, uh, while we see some people getting uh, the Delta variant who've been vaccinated, we're not really seeing much in the way of excess hospitalizations and not seeing much in the way of deaths at all. And so that's good news. And we said that at the very beginning, the good thing about the vaccine is it dramatically lowers hospitalizations and deaths. Um, It doesn't prevent every infection. And that's what's panning out with Delta now as well here in New Mexico. So how do you avoid the Delta variant? You can put yourself in lockdown, I suppose, and stay at home, not see anybody at all. Uh, But that's not practical for most People, The number one way to manage this is to get vaccinated if you're not already. The more New Mexicans we have as a breeding ground for the virus, the more uh, world uh, citizens we have uh, who aren't vaccinated, the more variants we can produce. And, you know, we have hundreds and hundreds of variants of coronavirus, but the alpha one had a significant increase suddenly. We saw it in New Mexico, came in, now it's going away and the Delta variant, very significant increase, and uh, we'll watch to see if it declines. So get vaccinated for yourself, get vaccinated for your community, get vaccinated for your family, and particularly if you have regular contact with anyone with a risk factor, it's a great reason now to get vaccinated. And so, and the more vaccinated we are, the fewer uh, variants will be able to take hold in our state. Uh, Another concern we're watching very closely is test positivity. You may remember that we were uh, uh, positively focused on test positivity. It was in the gating criteria. Originally, we didn't want it above 5%. We relaxed that to 7.5%, but it is going up. Why is that a big deal? Uh, When we see the positivity rate rising, it's generally an indication that there may be more cases out there than we know about. And with the Delta variant, that's three to five times a bigger problem, not knowing those, case, those cases because of their ability to spread. So we're not uh, doing 5,000 tests a day, most days of the week now. We need to get that back up to manage the virus, to identify cases, to isolate them, to get a hold of their contacts and quarantine their contacts. We're still meeting our metrics for those uh, isolation and quarantine Uh, And then the other thing is I've run into some people I know who uh, say yesterday I had a headache and kind of a runny nose and I felt kind of blah. I think I'm feeling a little bit better today. And or maybe they had a little cough or a sore throat was one of them. And and I said, well, did you get tested for COVID? And they looked at me very surprised. And they said, well, I'm vaccinated, so I don't need to get tested for COVID. And I said, that's not true. Uh, The recommendation has always been anyone with symptoms needs to get vaccinated for COVID. So that's just a reminder. Vaccinated individuals, unvaccinated individuals, which is pretty much on the Mexicans, if you have symptoms, get tested. That's the only way we can contain this virus. I think we've gotten a little bit relaxed. I saw a headline that said, America needs a wake-up call. and So maybe that's what I'm doing here. But the pandemic is not over. I say at every press conference, it isn't over. And it now is getting worse, a fourfold increase in cases every day. Uh, I mean fourfold increases in, for, there's a fourfold increase in cases today compared to July 1st. That's a serious problem. Next slide, please. So a reminder, if you have symptoms, get tested if you have symptoms. Uh, if you don't have symptoms and you're unvaccinated and you live or work in a high risk congregate setting like nursing homes, detention centers, correctional facilities, you are already getting regular testing. That's what's going on here in New Mexico, uh, regular testing. And now that's what states like California and cities like New York are implementing. I I, uh, added something here on the upper right. If you don't have symptoms, but you're unvaccinated, and now even if you are vaccinated and we're in really close contact with someone who just recently tested positive and infectious. uh, I know that's not an official guideline. This is what I plan to do. If someone in our household uh, turned out to be COVID positive this week, I would immediately go and get tested even though I'm vaccinated. And then of course, there's the routine testing that we're doing for some, but not all procedures now prior to hospitalization and, uh, and surgical procedures. Okay, there's new CDC masking guidance for the fully vaccinated. And I remember for the unvaccinated that suggested that people wear masks in every indoor setting anyway and a lot of outdoor settings as well especially large crowds now the cdc is saying that uh, fully vaccinated individuals should return and they're recommending they should return to wearing a mask indoors when they're outside their homes particularly in areas of substantial or high transmission i'm really glad we're not one of the southeastern states that's just completely and totally all red but we've got we have our share of red if you look at the map of New Mexico, and those case numbers are going up. You or someone in your household has a weakened immune system. We've talked about this repeatedly, or is that increased risk for severe disease? Uh, Wear a mask around them. You can transmit it still without symptoms. We don't want you to carry it. And then also CDC is saying everyone, teachers, staff, students, or visitors in K through 12 schools need to be masked. Just a reminder that the latest public health order says uh, regarding masking and social distancing it says that new mexicans should do what the cdc says we should do and so when the cdc makes a change like they have just now in masking uh guidance that automatically becomes part of our public health order so i wanted to let you know that i also uh, uh there was one other thing about that oh the schools uh, public health officials are working with school officials here in the state about uh, schools. And we have word that there should be additional school guidance coming out from the CDC for other things than just masks. And so you will see those updates being made as we get that information uh, as well. But I know uh, I, we warned you not to throw away your masks. Hopefully you didn't uh, wash them up. If if I bet they're all washed and folded in your drawer get them out, put one in your car. Uh, I, I'm not leaving, uh, you know, I, I wear them now uh, when I'm out outside my home. Lastly, uh, at the modeling team yesterday, we, we asked people, this is before the CDC guidance came out, like in the past two weeks, have you changed your own personal approach to masking? And virtually everybody who spoke had. They had, uh, they were uh, wearing a mask more, they were wearing it outside, they're being much more careful in indoor spaces or eateries where they had to have their mask off. And so, uh, you know, public health officials were a couple weeks ahead on this making these changes. But I think they're the right thing to do given what we're seeing, not only that fourfold increase in cases, but the three to fivefold chance of getting infected if you're around someone with uh, the Delta variant. And, and people say, well, how do I know if they have the Delta variant? It's like, well, Probably 80%, 75, 80% of folks do. So you might as well just assume that and act accordingly that you have a much higher risk to pick the virus back up. The vaccine will protect you uh, fairly well from hospitalization and death, but you don't wanna get it and spread it to someone else, particularly a close family member. Next slide, please. Uh, 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 Vivek Murthy, who's just an amazing individual. He was here in New Mexico couple of weeks ago he uh, talked a lot about fighting against misinformation and uh, I've I've been uh, the uh, recipient of more information more misinformation about masking and kids uh, about anything actually more misinformation about anything in the past month uh, than I have in the previous six months and so there's a lot of myths out there circulating a lot of beliefs. And I think it's important to call this out that we really have to be careful with what we read and the, and what we see. And the internet is not always the best source of information. It can be a source of misinformation and help us make uh, bad decisions. On the next slide, uh, because of all the calls I get, people sent me papers and things like that. Uh, there's some myths out there about mask wearing. Uh, one is that wearing a mask reduces oxygen intake and can make it hard for children to breathe. Uh, it, oxygen is, uh, you know, the the holes in an electron micrograph of the mask are massive. Oxygen molecules are tiny. Oxygen freely, freely, freely throws, freely flows. That's hard to say. Freely flows through the mask and is not an issue. And no drop in oxygen levels have been seen in kids. Uh, mask can interfere with children's lung development due to the oxygen starvation is just not true. Uh, Here's my favorite. Everyone sends me this article, masked trap carbon dioxide that children normally breathe out. Uh, That article was placed on the internet uh, four weeks ago. Uh, It has been retracted by their authors, by the authors of the article. They say their data, was flawed, and in fact, we have a lot more carbon dioxide in the air we breathe out than the air we breathe in, right? I mean, that's how it works. You breathe in oxygen, it gets converted to carbon dioxide, you breathe it out. And so that article is very flawed and uh, don't bother sending me another copy. It's not, it is clearly, I think the worst example of misinformation I've seen during the pandemic. Next one, myth. Wearing a mask can weaken the immune system by putting the body under stress. That is not true. Uh, It does not weaken your immune system. It does not increase your chances of getting sick. If you're exposed to the virus, it decreases. And then the last one I've been hearing lately is teachers and school staff do not support childhood masking. You know, my child's teacher does not support this, but pretty much nationwide. Yesterday, if you saw the news, teachers all over America came out and said, the CDC is doing the right thing. We want our kids to be safe. We want to be safe. This is the right thing to mask everybody in K through 12. And so I just want to go through those, some of the data. We have more information on the website about all the articles on masking and also uh, masking in children if you're interested in more detail. And then, uh, uh, yeah, and here's just a quote, uh, You know, uh, the teachers union reacting to the Delta variant. And they said what I just told you, they said, so I won't read it. We want to keep the schools open. To do that, we have to do everything we can to mitigate spread. Next slide. So the virus is changing like big time. Please get vaccinated this week. The variants spread more rapidly. If if you have any symptoms, uh, you know, if you think you have COVID nineteen, if you've been exposed to someone closely who's positive, uh that me being vaccinated now does not not make me feel like I shouldn't get tested, so I will get tested if I get exposed. If you have COVID-19, I said it earlier, get treatment, please get treatment, particularly if you have a risk factor and be super careful indoors, no matter where you live in New Mexico, the map can be misleading with a red county and a light colored county because people travel from county to county. We have two giant interstates crisscrossing the state and so be super careful and then do all those things that uh, we know to do and we've changed unvaccinated people mask up to everyone mask up. And with that, I think uh, and again encouraging as Laura to get for you all to get preventive health care. I think with that, I think that's my last slide and uh, <clears throat> is that right? Slide operator? Yes. so we'll turn it back. We'll get Laura turn your camera back on and we're happy to take all your questions today.
0: Great, thank you so much uh, to our principals. Uh, we will begin with Steve Edmondson.
3: Okay, uh, Steve Edmondson. I'm from uh, Mine Country 1021 in Socorro, New Mexico, and uh, Dr. Scrace, uh A couple of questions here. Uh, when I was, you showed the chart earlier that showed the uh, rise in cases. If you look back to last year, about this same time, there was also somewhat of a surge. So, do you think? Uh, that some of what we're seeing right now is just a seasonal aspect of this because we did, like I said, last year, we saw the same type thing. <clears throat> and the other question I have has to do with the masking. And again, we had mass mandates from May 15th last year was when the mask mandate was put in. In the three months following that, every month, the case counts went up. And the third month the, from June, uh, let's say July 15th to August 15th, in that period, we had an 86% increase over what we had uh, in the month before we had any mask. And so I'm just trying to figure out how that demonstrates that the mask or the mandates are really effective. And you can look at charts from states and countries around the world and see similar things. And so I'm just asking, have you looked at the data from others or charts from other places and seen when they put their mask mandates in, and then seeing the, the rise in cases, even while they have those and some very strict mask mandates. Thank you.
1: Yeah, I'll start, Laura. Feel free to add on the seasonality. I think there's some of us that believe that eventually coronavirus will settle into a pattern that's more, that is similar to other respiratory viruses where we get, um, you know, more of it in the winter, but the virus keeps mutating and we haven't, uh, we haven't really had uh the chance uh to have it die down enough to emerge in the winter and then go away in the spring, similar to influenza. So so I don't think what we're seeing in the summer is a mask mandate. As far as hey, uh as soon as everyone started wearing masks, all of a sudden cases went up. Uh that kind of ignores the fact the reason why uh the mask mandate was put in place was because there was rapid unrestrained community spread. So there are nine rules to tell the difference between correlation, which is when one th- thing A happens and thing B happens afterwards, and uh, and causation where thing A happens and it creates B. But I think there's a large body of science about the effectiveness of maths that flies uh, directly in the face of the theory that Masking caused uh, the cases. Uh, to no, mop. that's not
3: what I said. That's that's not what I was saying. Okay, that's not what I was saying. I'm just I'm not saying that they caused the cases to go up. But unless you're going to argue that there were less people wearing masks before the mandate went into effect than after, shouldn't there have? Been, shouldn't the caseloads have stayed lower? then instead of rising over the next three months. Now they did go back down and after August, they went back down, but we kept the mandate in and then they went back up and we had the mandate in all through the biggest period. We had 75,000 active cases from about December 12th to January 16th. And the mask mandate was in in effect in that time. Is there anything to indicate that people weren't wearing the mask during those time periods? Uh, Because I, I just don't see how, if the mandates are very effective, you would have that kind of rises.
1: All right, thanks. Uh, I'll, I'll give a quick answer and we'll move on to the next question. But uh, I think what you're comparing is before and after, and that's not a valid comparison. What you wanna compare is what we got versus what it would have been had no one worn a mask. This has been studied all over the world with like, I, and I presented this, I think last summer or fall, I think it was 20 or 30 countries where they looked at the correlation and. And countries who did do earlier interventions limited the rise in cases. And so, uh, I think it's better to just talk about public health interventions in general. I can tell you that I've been out, uh, you know, every month since the beginning of the pandemic, and every time I've been out, I've been, I've seen people who weren't wearing masks. So, I don't know exactly what kind of evidence you're looking for that some people don't wear masks. I would encourage you to go to your local mall and you just count 100 people and and see how many are wearing masks, and that would be a good representation of the percent. So uh, I think the evidence for the effectiveness of wearing masks is sound, it's solid. We've got 25 references, and the evidence that implementation, particularly rapid implementation of public health measures to control the spread of the virus are also effective. And the, more, the earlier you do them, the more effective they are. So thanks.
0: All right, thank you. With that, we will turn to Algernon Massa. Algernon, you are unmuted. And following Algernon, we'll have Matthew Reichbach and then Jeffrey Plant. Uh, Algernon, you should be unmuted. Please feel free to ask your question. Thank you, Algernon Massa from the Las Cruces News. Thank you, doctors, for uh, the update today. Um, I just want to make sure we
1: understand what the recommendation is because the CDC has these new color-coded maps um, showing areas at the county level um, of high or substantial transmissibility, and I just want to clarify whether um, it sounds as though this New Mexico's guidance is that this is a statewide recommendation that people mask up indoors, although we do have counties with varying levels of transmissibility, and if it is a statewide recommendation, um, you know, do you, do you want to say anything to residents of blue counties or the yellow counties who might feel like I live in an area of low transmission and, uh, therefore the risk for me is and I'm not going to come. Yeah, I think that's a great question. Elginon, and I, I think I might've talked about what I was going to do and people on the modeling team we're going to do as though that were a recommendation. Our recommendation really is the CDC guidelines. So that would be by County right now. It does recommend people who live, uh, Uh, you know, in those counties, but I think out of an abundance of caution, everyone in New Mexico should follow those guidelines. I mean, these curves are going up pretty steeply and whatever it is this week is going to be different next week and probably higher. And so, uh, you know, New Mexico is small enough and, and, you know, Delta transmission is high enough, but I think you're not going to see the sharp distinctions for the, from those counties soon. But uh, so I think I, I certainly personally recommend that uh, everyone wear a mask the way our public health order is written. It ties our guidance directly to the CDC. Hopefully that covers it, but thanks for raising that. Cause I think I may have overemphasized the discussion of the modeling team and myself, my, my preferences is the state recommendation, but we're looking at all of it again, next.
0: Thank you so much. Uh, Next, we'll turn to Matthew Reichbach of New Mexico Political Report, followed by Jeffrey Plant and then Julia Goldberg. Matthew, you are unmuted. Please feel free to ask your question. Yeah, um, Algernon kind of took my question, but luckily I have a backup. Um, Just wondering, with the increase in hospitalizations, are hospitals worried about being overrun again as they were for parts of last year about filling up with COVID patients? And especially now that uh, folks are going to care that they delayed during the height of the pandemic? Uh, Just wanted to check in on how hospitals are holding up. Um, So that's another really important question.
1: And uh, I think that we're in a a place right now where it uh, is a problem. The hospitals are full, particularly the big hospitals in Albuquerque, they're over full. Uh, Most hospitals in the state are full of patients, as you sort of astutely pointed out, uh, who have delayed their care and now, uh, their medical condition has forced them to go to the emergency room rather than uh, getting it treated by a primary care doctor. Uh, I'm particularly worried about the increase in the spread with Delta variant, that that could accelerate hospitalizations. Uh, but right now, right now in New Mexico, the hospitalization rate, you know, the like the number, the percent of people who get COVID who end up in the hospital is stable. And so that Scottish 85% increase is not showing up here, but I can also definitively tell you that we will not have adequate space uh, for everyone if uh, we see, you know, if we get up to a thousand cases a day. And so that's why we're urging people to have caution uh, and we will go through the same drill we did before to convert outpatient spaces to ICU beds or hospital beds or whatever it takes to increase our capacity. But I would say Uh, In general, New Mexico hospitals are pretty close to full now. They can stretch a lot, like they so amazingly did last November and December. But right now, uh, they're super busy caring for everyone. And remember, it's not just delayed care. I mean, people have babies, people need surgery, you know, people need routine things that aren't delayed, and they're getting those as well. And so uh, we, we monitor that really closely. Uh, we The hospital group, group checks in every week to talk about the data and the numbers and I think they're, they're re- really on top of
0: it and they're prepared to make the changes they need to make because they've been through this now a couple times. Thanks.